0: Good Monday morning, and welcome to another episode of the podcast Insanity A Peace of Mind. I am your host, Stephanie. I am recording episode 115, and I am going to do another episode on mindfulness. And this is coming up for me for a couple of reasons. I had the opportunity last week to talk to some folks and it was kind of a question and answer setting. And I was able to answer a handful of the questions with mindfulness examples, meaning showing a group of people how mindfulness can be a resource for them in several of the questions that they asked. I sometimes worry that I have found my hammer to hammer everything that is now a mindfulness nail to me. And so I try and be really careful and really aware of that so that I do not create a one-trick pony in myself in terms of mindfulness. And with that being said, it is still a good answer to most things. And without a regular practice you will not become aware of how correct that statement is. And so I encourage you again to figure out how to have a mindfulness practice. Last week, I talked a little bit about how mindfulness has improved my life specifically. I did some research to see if I could find more Stories of people who are willing to share how their mindfulness practice has impacted them. And that is proving to be harder than you would think. And there are plenty of articles, blog posts, research uh, papers published in important medical journals and health sciences journals to tell us how important mindfulness. Harvard Business Journal, The Wall Street Journal, Huffington Post. Very well-mined. Psychology Today, Positive Psychology, Therapist Aid. The information and the research is just over the top in terms of what I can find. But I was trying to find some real specific personal stories about how mindfulness has helped people. And I will concede I didn't look too terribly hard, and I may not have looked in the right places. So I'm going to go back to some tried and true research resources for me to continue to talk about this topic. I just paused and took a few minutes to look for some more articles on how people can personally identify how mindfulness has helped. And I found a couple, so I do want to refer to them. One of them is in a Harvard Business Review. It's an old article, 2017, written by Daniel Goleman and Matthew Lippincott. They talk about a gentleman named Sean. So this is an article you can read if you want to, who was a senior leader at a Fortune 100 corporation. And Sean explains that mindfulness played a really key role in helping him adjust and transform his career because he talks about experiencing some significant plateau in his performance that as he grew in emotional awareness and emotional literacy realized was because he micromanages and intimidates his direct, um, the people directly under him. Um, He is highly focused on his quarterly targets and he really, really, really pushes those employees under him to meet these goals. And this was increasing his anxiety by tremendous levels. He was afraid of losing his job and he was considering quitting. And so he has all of these things going on because he is anxious at work, micromanaging his direct reports is what they refer to them in this article. He then reports that mindfulness actually saved him. So he did an intensive training in mindfulness, probably brought to him by his employer, but I'm not sure because I'm not reading this article carefully enough for that. But what he found with this intensive training in mindfulness was that he was better able to stop himself when his impulse was to micromanage and control his employees. So with this recognition, which is a huge step in self-awareness, he began to shift his operating style as a boss. And he became more supportive of his support of his subordinates, taking on more responsibility. He got better at managing his own anxious impulse. And the atmosphere where he worked reduced the stress on him and everyone else. His employees began to trust him more, and they trusted themselves more because he was not micromanaging them. The work quality improved. And his stress about being fired or needing to quit was alleviated because he was promoted. And he was able to attend a mindfulness retreat that was put on by one of the people who wrote this article. And the other things that they found as they promoted this retreat and had people come and experience the benefits were stronger relationships with superiors peers and subordinates improved crisis management more trust between employees with more sensitive or with more sensitive organizational information there were more positive performance reviews and more promotions This article reports that there was one executive who noticed that his employees stopped turning around and walking the other way when they saw him as a direct result of his mindfulness practice. And mindfulness is not magic. However, it is important in increasing your emotional sensitivity and your emotional reactivity. It requires some emotional intelligence for it to be really impactful. And so the connection between emotional intelligence and mindfulness was seen and described by these people who are involved in this intensive mindfulness retreat when they described a direct correlation between their mindfulness practice and increased performance because of their increased self-awareness that allowed them to change certain behaviors. The mindfulness experience by itself will not change who you are or how you operate in the world. It just increases your Ability to tolerate your newfound self awareness and then be an observer of how this new knowledge creates your world and how you behave. So, going back to the gentleman named Sean, he states that his mindfulness practice made him more aware of his super high levels of anxiety. And in that anxious brain, he had impaired thinking. And he was really harsh on himself and had unmeetable expectations. And then he held everyone to these same rigid expectations. So he had pretty distressing workplace demands and his employees were not particularly responsive to them. And he had created a culture that was high stress, high anxiety, and not conducive to productivity. And when he became aware of his tendencies, he began to see how his work, work, work ethic, workaholic, avoid everything else at all costs mentality had gotten him where he was. And in a leadership position, it did not work for him anymore. And so mindfulness and emotional intelligence helped him adjust his expectations to be more realistic. And these shifts allowed him to improve in other emotional areas as well. So he began to listen. He increased his empathy. He began to see a more he began to see his employees in a more positive light. He saw them reach their goals without him micromanaging everything. He was more willing to talk about his insecurities and what he was worried about to his peers and his employees and they increased in connection and empathy with one another. And it all started with a mindfulness practice. That is somebody's real-world experience of how mindfulness helped. Let's talk for a few minutes about what mindfulness is not. Mindfulness is not having an empty or blank mind. Mindfulness is about noticing what is in your mind, your monkey mind, the mind that you currently have. It is true, there are concentrative practices whose goal is to help empty the mind, but that is not how one generally begins a practice. Mindfulness is not becoming emotionalist. Mindfulness actually doesn't get rid of any of our emotions. If you have this idea that you can avoid those emotions that you label as unpleasant, and you either actively work at that, at the conscious level, or you are unconsciously working at that, then you are also avoiding the more favorable or more palatable emotions. Because in the world of emotion sensitivities, you cannot just shut down one kind. And so, In a meditative or mindfulness practice, you are not trying to get rid of the painful emotions. You are just trying to be an observer of those painful emotions. We all have psychological defenses, and they take many forms for many different people. And we cannot... Use them to avoid feeling emotions. Mindfulness practices make us aware that what we are doing to try and make ourselves feel better is not necessarily working. And so instead of trying to defend ourselves against unpleasant emotions, mindfulness helps you tolerate all kinds of emotions mindfulness is not a withdrawing from life. And so when you think of meditation or mindfulness, you might have the image of a monk or a hermit or something like that come up for you. And these are people who practice very formal, very refined meditation practices. And that's not necessarily how we are going to do that. So Formal intensive meditation practices are useful, and I would certainly recommend something like that if you ever had the chance, and that is not our real world. So we stay in our real life and just incorporate mindfulness practices into it, because mindfulness practices in addition to the emotional stuff, help us tune into others and we feel more connected in our life rather than less connected. A mindfulness practice is not meant to make you feel blissful. And again, if you have an image in your mind of what a mindfulness practitioner would look like in their bliss, that is probably not a real picture. If we're looking for bliss when we first begin a mindfulness practice, we are going to be very disappointed and believe that it does not work. And in that agitated state of disappointment and believing that it is not working, we are going to feel worse. So do not compare your mindfulness practice with somebody else's. Unless, of course, you're going to talk about the nitty-gritty of what it's like. And don't believe that an image you have in your mind of a blissful practitioner is going to be your experience. From time to time, you will feel something pleasant, something connecting, something perhaps spiritual or divine. That is absolutely part of a mindfulness practice. It is not what you should expect at the beginning of a practice, and it's not what you should expect to happen all of the time. It's important not to view meditation as bliss. Another thing meditation is not is an escape from pain. You do not escape from your pain in a mindfulness practice it helps you embrace the pain which decreases suffering if you can accept something as your reality and not fight against the truthfulness of something you just naturally become less anxious or stressed out about it so rather than escaping pain mindfulness practice is a way to increase a a capacity to experience it. If, okay, a real life experience. If you are meditating and you happen to have chronic pain or you happen to have an uncontrollable itch or something while you are meditating or your pain is increasing because of the way you are sitting or standing or laying down, The instruction in a meditative practice is to just observe the pain or observe the itch or anything that is creating some sort of discomfort for you. You are supposed to observe it and not necessarily act to do anything differently. If you need to scratch, scratch. If you need to shift your position, shift your position, but don't do that until after you have tried just observing it instead of getting caught up into it. So you have the ability to experience the pain and the discomfort in a more salient or more vivid way. And this attitude is also applicable to emotional pain. And practice being with your emotional pain, your physical pain, your emotional discomfort, your physical discomfort, increases the ability to tolerate. And so you're not going to escape pain. Mindfulness is not religious or a religious, mindfulness is not a religion. It can be a spiritual experience for many people. In fact, generally it is. I have had some really wonderful moments in my mindfulness practice where I have had connections and understanding opened to me In terms of my spiritual practices that are separate from mindfulness, but mindfulness has given me the calmer mind, the connection to a divine, so to speak, that has increased what I believe is wisdom, because it is not necessarily coupled with knowledge, I may know some things, knowledge, and I more often than not don't know enough to make these connections on my own. So I have had experiences where while mindfulness is not a religion for me, it has improved my spiritual practices. And so you don't have to worry about it having any Im- neg- negative impact on whatever your religious or spiritual practices are. You can know different types of meditation practices, concentration practices, body scans, breath work, loving kindness practices, nature meditations, mindful eating, you can incorporate it with spiritual practices and tap into the Christian meditative prayers and all kinds of different things. And my experience with meditation in the six years that I have been practicing is not a practice of knowing. It is a practice of being. and. I would encourage you to think of the difference between those things. That's my sort of expanded understanding. It's not very expansive, but that's mine. If you have different views on what you think mindfulness is and you've started practicing and it's shifting for you, I would really be interested to know how it's shifting for you. For me, it is not a knowing practice. It is more of a being practice. It sets me into myself and into more of my intuition or opening myself up to be taught or inspired or moved by something instead of Me taking what I think I know or what I think I have learned and creating a mindfulness practice around that. I don't know if that made sense, but it just occurred to me that for me, there is a distinct difference. I'm not trying to gather a lot of information or a lot of education or know a lot of things in order to improve or facilitate my mindfulness practice i'm just trying to be present and in those moments whether it's on a hike or a walk or in my car or with a client or with one of my kids and just try and turn off all distractions and be present with whatever is going on at the moment and for me I don't need a lot of knowledge in order to make that happen. And so I would like to know what your thoughts are. And you are welcome to share them in any way you would like. I have told you once, and I have told you twice, and I'll probably tell you a dozen times again, I don't talk about things that I don't believe are really important. So I'm on my second mindfulness podcast in a row, and it is because I see tremendous value in this. I Believe it has the power to change your life. And if you have something in your life that you would like to change, I don't think it has to be the same as what I want to change. And I don't think it has to fall in a tiny category. If there's something in your life you want to change, I believe a mindfulness practice can lay the groundwork for you to make those changes. Parenting, relationships, work. Anxiety, depression, PTSD, fears, insecurities, love, joy. I think we can increase and decrease appropriately the things we want increased and the things that we want decreased by incorporating a mindfulness practice into our lives. Yes, I do. Before I close with a quote, I'm going to challenge you to do some. Type of mindfulness every day this week. And going back to last week's podcast, I'm going to make it really easy for you. I just want you to find some activity you engage in every day. It can be a different activity every day if you want it to be. It can be the same activity every day if you want it to be. And I want you to be aware of the experience of that activity. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to last week's podcast where I explained it fairly detailed and tell me how you have practiced something mindful and intentional and in awareness every day this week. Shunryu Suzuki said, When you bow, you should just bow. When you sit, you should just sit. When you eat, you should just eat. And have a good week.